Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You are listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson, because sometimes the fastest 30 minutes in radio is better the second time around. Listen to this pre-recorded Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you on a special Memorial Day and a special pre-recorded Memorial Day show. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we have a lot of ground to cover, even on Memorial Day in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. But what we're really going to focus on today is really slowing things down. Divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and make sure the news makes sense today, especially on Memorial Day, as we remember all those who have gone before us in various capacities, whether that's a good friend, a family member, a loved one, someone from the military, whoever it might be. We have to remember that a nation or a society that loses its ability to remember is in danger of losing a great deal more. And so we're going to break that down in many different ways today. We're going to be sharing some of my uh, podcasts with uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, some interesting perspective from him from Rome in the midst of the coronavirus. Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, will give us some good reflective perspective in terms of the newsroom and what's happening. Lois Collins will join us. You don't want to miss this segment where we talk about touch. One of the things that we have been losing in the midst of the pandemic. And then most of all, we're going to round out our hour today here on a special Memorial Day, talking about that resilience, that ability to come back, to move forward uh, and to uh, progress in our journey despite difficulties and opposition. So let's start with Memorial Day and remembering Uh, Often when we remember, we think of military, uh, those who have gone before us, even though that's not the heart and soul of this uh, holiday. It's all those who have gone before that we give remembrance to. But it's interesting to me that when we honor those who've paid the ultimate price, those who have valiantly stood for freedom in our nation's history, we, we rightly reference the words of Abraham Lincoln, that they gave the last full measure of devotion. But what we often miss in Lincoln's powerful uh, response is that he immediately pivoted to the future. He pivoted to us. He said that we here highly resolve. He recognized that those that we honor have already done their part. They've already passed their test. He knew the real question, and the real question on Memorial Day is what will we be highly resolved to do with our individual duty? and our individual opportunities to make a difference in our communities and in our country. Now, I love this phrase, highly resolved. I've always been fascinated with it. And to be highly resolved is not a casual decision. It's something that requires complete commitment, complete determination. And there are far too many in America today who are content to just give it a go or take a shot at things without the deep and powerful force of a highly resolved Total commitment. I love total commitment. 
whether it's in business or athletics or music or community, uh, that ultimate total commitment is everything. Many people choose to try, but very few people choose to commit to do. And I'm telling you, there is a big difference. Now, there's a well-known biblical verse that says, Choose ye this day. But if you, if you look at the Greek translation, the root of that is way more powerful. It's commit ye this day. So the, the difference between a choice and a commitment is too big to measure, though the results that each of those produce are, are pretty easy for us to see. So choosing freedom is vastly different from having a highly resolved commitment to freedom. Uh, Goethe understood the power of a highly resolved total commitment uh, when he wrote, Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back always in effectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. And it is this, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur that would never otherwise have happened. A whole stream of events and uh, issues from that decision. Raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance that no one could have dreamt would come his way. So whatever you do or dream you can do, begin it. Commitment has a boldness, genius, power, and magic within it. That commitment is everything. And I think as we look at our those who have gone before us, uh, their commitment is really what stands out. And whether it was a commitment to principle, whether it was a commitment to family or country, uh, all those who have gone before uh, had that commitment. Now, going back to, to Lincoln, uh, when you reread the final section of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, he challenges us to not only remember and respect those who gave all that last full measure of devotion, but he, again, he pivots, he shifts our gaze to the great task before us and the challenge to each of us to be highly resolved in our commitment. Here's what it says exactly. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work for which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. So when we talk on Memorial Day about the extraordinary women and the exceptional men who have gone before us in any capacity. It's easy for us to invoke the phrase, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And it is so true. Memorial Day is a day to remember those heroes and those heroines, and the many ordinary souls who have had extraordinary influence on our lives, on our families, and on our communities. So we would be wise to remember that the only reason we can stand on their shoulders, the shoulders of such giants, is because they were willing to square their shoulders at critical moments. They didn't shrink. They didn't shirk their responsibility. 
They did their job. They squared their shoulders. They didn't shrug their shoulders and point fingers and place blame as we so often see today. They squared their shoulders. And whatever their task was, whether it was raising a family, teaching a class, leading a business, leading a community, they squared their shoulders. They did the hard things. And to me, that's what Memorial Day is all about. There are so many wonderful lessons to be learned by those who have gone before. Whether you know them or not, just pause for a minute today and think about some of those extraordinary souls who have gone before and what are the lessons that their lives teach and then what can we begin to do today because that's the test. And then ultimately on Memorial Day, it would be wise for all of us to remember that we honor best those who have gone before by living our lives with excellence today. Hope you're having a fantastic Memorial Day. Stay with us. We have much, much more to come on this special Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. You are listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson because sometimes the fastest 30 minutes in radio is better the second time around. Listen to this pre-recorded Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to a special pre-recorded Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Hope you're having a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're slowing down just a little bit, pausing and pondering on the things that matter most and those who have gone before and done the hard work and heavy lifting. A lot of lessons to be learned during this pandemic. And uh, recently I had the opportunity on my Therefore What podcast uh, to talk with former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, who has spent the entire pandemic from a very interesting perch in Rome, where his wife Callista is the U.S. ambassador to the Holy See, to the Vatican. And he had some interesting insight for all of us to think about, not necessarily from politics, but from what our responsibility is to do. Take a listen. It has been said that ideas go booming through the world like cannons. Thoughts are mightier than armies, and principles have achieved more victories than horsemen and, or chariots. Inspiring ideas, transformational thoughts, and powerful principles are exactly what America and the world need in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic. So today we turn to the world's great thinkers, historically principled idea guys, and the ultimate policy entrepreneur. Former Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Newt Gingrich, joins us from Rome, Italy, for a deep dive and elevating conversation on this episode of Therefore What? Therefore What? is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you and the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. An intellectually fearless visionary and historian, former Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Newt Gingrich, is one of the foremost economic, social, political, and security-focused conservative thinkers today. Mr. Speaker, thanks for joining us today. 
I'm delighted to have a chance to talk with you. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on in the world today. We appreciate you uh, getting us live from Rome today. And uh, you have been in a, a very unique uh, position there with uh, your wife, who is a, a brilliant thinker and writer in her own right, uh, as ambassador from the United States to the Holy See there in the Vatican. Give us some perspective. What has it been like uh, being in Rome throughout this pandemic? Well, Italy was hit unusually hard because it spread uh, very deeply across northern Italy to such a degree that they basically had to close everything down. We got to a point where in the entire country you could have uh, grocery stores, pharmacies or gas stations, but nothing else. People were told to stay home. You could get a $3,200 fine if you were in the street without a good reason. And uh, for about eight weeks, the place was totally locked down. Uh, but it's it, they're going to have a long climb back because Italy depends about 14% of its economy is uh, tourism. And uh, in the near future, there aren't going to be any tourists. And so they're faced with a very, very big challenge of how to get this system working again. And I think that it, it's going to be uh, quite a project to see if they what, what they do and how they do it. I, I do think it's going to be just a, an extraordinary next steps, uh, both abroad and, and at home. I've been dying to ask you, uh, you, you've been in this interesting position for since 2017, uh, living over there in Rome. But you've sort of had this opportunity, kind of a uh, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, to look at the United States, to look at America from abroad during some really pivotal times. What has that been like for you? What have you learned? Well, it's, it's been it's been very helpful in a way because although up until uh, the middle of March I was running back and forth, looking back, you you, you see the forest uh, and you see patterns that make you sort of uh, shake your head or scratch your head. There's a brilliant uh, writer named Claire Berlinski who recently wrote an essay on uh, the age of hysteria. And I think it captured something fundamental about what's going on right now. I would argue we've overreacted to the problems we're faced with. A lot of reasons to believe that, that this is, in the end, going to be manageable. But the pattern of social media and the pattern of the news media makes it harder for all of us to find a way to, to try to just you know make, make practical common sense out of what we're experiencing. So I think in that sense, uh, I see things more like a historian, and I look at stuff, and I think as a historian that uh, we have an enormous disservice by, from our news media because they refuse to take these things seriously and slow down and actually try to cover them. Therefore, what? All right, well, as we as we come down the home stretch here, I want to go back to to where we began: ideas, thoughts, principles, history. The program is is therefore what. So we always end the program uh, with the therefore what question. So as you look at the country and as you look at the world from your unique experience, uh, people have been listening to this program. Uh, what's the therefore what for you? What do you hope people think different? What do you hope people do different as a result of listening today? Well, I hope they realize that. Uh this is going to pass, that uh, we're, we're Americans, we can create an amazingly good future, and that uh, the challenge to us is to go out and do it. I mean, uh, America was created by people of enormous courage who came from all over the world, uh, who pursued dreams, who were willing to work hard, take risks, and constantly learn. Wonderful. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, thanks so much for joining us on There For What today. Thank you. So that was my conversation with the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, on my Therefore What podcast. If you want to hear the entire conversation, which was absolutely fascinating, uh, he has such an interesting mind and has such a unique approach to things. 
You can do that on our KSL Inside Sources Facebook page. We'll have that posted there. Again, that's the Therefore What podcast with Newt Gingrich. I want to shift attention now because once I had this conversation with uh, Newt Gingrich on the Therefore What podcast, I had a chance to sit down with Deseret News editor Doug Wilkes, who had a very unique perspective of some of the comments that Newt Gingrich made in relationship to the media and the truth. And uh, really thrilled to have uh, socially distanced on the far side of the uh, of the studio, uh, Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, or as we like to refer to him, King of News. Uh, but Doug is one of the, the great uh, journalistic minds uh, anywhere in the country, and uh, we're very fortunate to have him here. You had a great piece inside the newsroom uh, over the weekend, but the premise was, are reporters asking the right questions? Well, this actually came from um, your conversation with Newt Gingrich, who was talking to you from Rome. He kind of took a shot at the media. He said the pattern of the news media makes it harder for all of us to find a way to make practical common sense out of what we're experiencing. And I thought about that. And then he kind of went a little further. And he says that the media is going for the dumbest and lowest quality question. That's a quote Mm -hmm. from him. So in the media, you can discount criticism or say, oh, well, he's on the far right or whatever you want to do. But yeah. he is a good, strong, critical thinker. And it's worth exploring whether we are asking the right questions. And quite frankly, I think we're asking some good questions, mm-hmm. but often they don't go far enough and we need to, to ask a better question. I th- yeah, I, I think getting beyond the, the headlines, it's so easy for us, especially as consumers of news, especially in a pandemic, it's so easy to just skim across the surface or to just read the headline. Or uh, It's really incumbent on us to, to ask the secondary question or the the better question what are some of those questions you think we should be asking uh cnn used to do a counter where it would look at put up a map of the united states and it would show which states have not done a mandatory stay at home order okay and so utah was up there so the media would give the perception that wow utah is not getting on board but it wasn't about a mandatory stay at home order it was about behavior It's what are the behaviors that are needed to overcome the virus, to be successful, to flatten the curve. And so the question needed to be about behavior. And mm-hmm. finally, CNN kind of stopped that approach. And we went into this behavior model because states here in the West, Utah among them, were doing well. Yeah. So then you ask the question, you know, what is happening? And that's where I think we've had some learning. Yeah, I think that's so uh, so important. I, I was getting number of texts every single day from colleagues in the east saying how come utah is not on board with this it's like well wait wait a minute all we needed in utah was a directive <laughs> and the people jumped on board and uh, and started to do the behavior as you said so if you look at the heart of it education's another one you know people are getting educated within three or four hours, you know, but is this the time to say, look, it's the year 2020, we have to totally change the education model, and this can spur us toward that. These are the bigger questions that we need to ask. And it's so easy, especially in a pandemic or in a crisis situation, uh, everyone kind of goes to their corners and we're just kind of button heads in terms of what we're against, uh, as opposed to those deeper questions, which ultimately lead us to the kinds of things that we're for. Oh, there's no question. I mean, even looking at ventilators, we, we concentrated on masks and ventilators. But a really good question is, does America have the infrastructure to get the masks and the ventilators to the places that are um, uh, most acutely in need? And we kind of got to that question, but we spent a lot of time kind of talking back and forth um, about the why. You need to ask why, you need to ask what, but then get beyond it and really get to the heart of the question. Always great to uh, talk with my good friend Doug Wilkes, uh, editor of the Deseret News. Uh, He is a journalist, journalist, and uh, really understands what it means to get to the truth 
and always appreciate those conversations. Uh, great also to uh, tap into the conversation I had on the podcast, Therefore What, uh, with former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. Again, you can listen to all of those uh, on our KSL Inside Sources Facebook page today. We'll have those posted for you. And now we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, my conversation with Lois Collins on how we are losing touch six feet at a time. Don't go anywhere on this special pre-recorded Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. You've been listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson because sometimes things are just better the second time around. You are listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson because sometimes the fastest 30 minutes in radio is better the second time around. Listen to this pre recorded Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to a special pre recorded Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you on a Memorial Day. Hope you are relaxing a little bit. And I hope you're remembering and reconnecting uh, with family members and uh, those who have gone before. Uh, really excited to share a conversation I had recently with Lois Collins from the Deseret News. Uh, Lois wrote a brilliant piece about touch and how one of the real challenges of the whole pandemic is our loss of touch. And we, we had this interesting com- conversation in terms of when was the last time you touched someone that was not a family member? And there's so many interesting aspects to that. So here's my conversation with Lois Collins. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. All right. Welcome back to Inside Sources. A little flashback music there. Uh, I actually remember hearing that song during the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. And you had whatever it was, 40,000 people all holding hands and, uh, you know, a spirit of unity there. Uh, and obviously we can't do that right now. And we we don't have that ability to have that physical touch. And there is a uh, just a fascinating piece uh, by our good friend Lois Collins in the uh, Deseret News this morning uh, about touch and how it's playing out and what we're learning as we uh, are trying to stay in touch six feet away. Lois, thanks for joining us. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it, staying in touch six feet away indeed. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so so as you looked at this topic, it, it stopped a lot of us short because you start thinking, okay, outside of my family, who was the last human that I had contact with? And for some of the staff, it was like, I haven't I haven't touched anybody in two months and uh, you did the deep dive on this, some really great in-depth reporting as always. Uh, what did you find out? So let me tell you that the last person that I touched was one of our colleagues whose father had died. Uh-huh. And um, without even thinking, it was the day that everybody went home, that there were only like three or four of us in the office physically. Yeah. And we hugged each other, and then we kind of jumped back like like lightning had struck because we were just starting to learn that you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. And so that got me thinking about touch and how important it is to all of us. And so I started interviewing experts from around the country on human development and on touch. And what I learned is that we really need to touch. Mm. And so those of us who are quarantining with families are okay if we're affectionate and we're talking affectionate touch and just that pat on the shoulder, the occasional hug, holding hands, that kind of thing. But what I learned is that if you don't give babies enough touch, if you don't snuggle them and Mm -hmm. caress them, they can literally die. 
They literally starve for affection, and it's scientifically proven it's a dangerous thing. Um, Old people who aren't touched enough, and right now our elderly citizens are quite isolated because they're so at risk. If they don't get some sort of touch or figure out how to make touch, um, do things like walking around so that they're moving their skin, and, Mm. and if they don't rub their own hands and arms, and they can suffer with great despair and loneliness much more than if they were able to just reach out and touch someone. Yeah. Um, so touch relieves pain. It lowers blood pressure. It increases your ability to actually manage your feelings of discombobulation. And this time we all feel just a little bit sort of, what day is it? What am I doing? This right. is such a weird world. I I describe it as I feel like I'm in some sort of weird simulation and somebody's yeah. going to come in at 10 o'clock and say, okay, here's what you did right and here's what you did wrong. While you have those feelings, if you are touching people, if you feel connected to people, mm-hmm. then you can cope with it. Your stress level stays down. If you don't have that sense of connection that literally is physical, yeah. then it's much harder to manage your, your stress and depression and whatever you're going through. Uh, I think that's so important. And again, often we don't think about it. Uh, uh, I was at the gas station uh, and just happened to pull up next to the pump uh good friend tracy jumps out and, we're, and it was just the natural thing it's like oh it's so good to see you and then it was like we you kind of recoil and it's like oh wait first <laughs> we're going to be arrested for <laughs> first press conference at the health department when they were giving the daily updates we were all going around shaking hands and then slapping our own hands because it's just so embedded in us yeah. but boy there are things that you can do the first yeah. thing you can do is If you are isolated with your family, if you're maintaining social distance, make sure that you are touching the people that you live with and that, you know, roommates. Especially your your kids, your teenagers. Yeah, and they uh, just stroke a shoulder, pat a cheek, anything. That that connection is really important. If you happen to be isolating alone, and I've gotten some emails today from people who are alone who say, Mm. well... What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. So you go for walks because there's something about walking and connecting with trees outside and stuff, but also the physical motion of moving your skin helps a lot. You should be mindful of things. So rub your cheeks, you know, when you're, when you're washing your face, think about how it feels. Think about how things feel. Mm. And that makes a huge difference too. And whenever you see somebody smile and make eye contact because you need that sense of connection. And the last thing that you really need to do is if you're truly alone, then find things that make you laugh that are amusing because oh, that releases the same hormones that touch does. Yeah. I want to talk about the, the, uh, the eye contact because I think that's one way, uh, we've been in a couple of things, uh, the, the mass project, project protect. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone was out there and people are bringing in masks and everyone is wearing masks. Uh, but I, I took notice as we were interviewing uh, some of the different leaders from the different organizations about Project Protect, uh, what they were able to communicate with their eyes. Uh, There's a was, lot. It, it's amazing. There is a, it is almost a physical sense uh, in terms of that eye contact, that real human connection. Well, and it is a sense that we're together and we care about each other. And when I, now it's easy to tell when I'm smiling. Because I have these, you know, 60-year-old laugh lines that are carved in my face. But um, you can communicate a lot with people just by looking at them and by paying attention. Mm. So part of it is focus. It's not enough to just glance at somebody. You have to connect for a minute. You have to register them and let them register you. And that's important. Yeah, so good. Lois Collins, always appreciate your insight. Uh, Award-winning 
longstanding uh, reporter, in-depth writer here at the Deseret News. Always appreciate your insight, Lois. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for the invite. All See right. Ya. Very good. Uh, again, so important. If you've missed that, go to Deseret.com uh, and you can find that uh, wonderful piece uh, by Lois Collins. And it's a good question for all of us. How are we staying connected six feet away and making sure that we're getting that kind of touch and that kind of connectedness uh, that is so vital to us as human beings? So much to to be done there. Again, great work. Uh, watch for uh, Lois Collins' piece today. Always appreciate uh, Lois Collins' great work at the Deseret News. Uh, great writer, great thinker, and uh, a lot for us to think about on a Memorial Day in terms of that sense of touch and we can't lose touch six feet at a time. we got to stay connected. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for one last break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that ability to be resilient here on a special pre-recorded Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. You've been listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson because sometimes things are just better the second time around. You are listening to the best of Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson because sometimes the fastest 30 minutes in radio is better the second time around. Listen to this pre-recorded Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Sources special pre-recorded Memorial Day edition here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you. We're going to talk about overcoming weariness in this final segment of the day and even though we're not here live i still want you to chime in with things that help you overcome weariness you can do that on our utah community credit union ksl text line 57500 again 57500 utah community credit union ksl text line let me know what is it that helps you overcome that weariness what gives you energy strength vitality to keep moving on even when things don't look so good or feel so good. We'll share some more of that uh, in episodes uh, in the days and weeks to come. Uh, also, if you just missed our last segment uh, with Lois Collins from the Deseret News, Losing Touch, What Six Feet of Safety Costs Us, uh, you want to make sure you uh, go back and uh, pick that up. You can always do that, of course, on the KSL News Radio app. Make sure you got that downloaded on your phone, brought to you by our friends at Any Hour Services. I've uh, been watching the text line today uh, in terms of what's going on. And, and interesting, one uh, one text texter asked a really interesting question as it relates to fear. And are we promoting fear? To me, it's it's really not about fear. We should have great confidence. This is not a time to cower in the corner. Uh, this is a time to be confident in one another, that we can do the right things. The state of Utah has shown that we can do this the right way, that we don't need to be dependent on a, a big distant government to take care of things for us. We, we know how to behave, and that will help us uh, actually make some progress. Fear often happens when we are presented with the fake fight and the false choice. Uh, and we always speak out against that on this program, that it's not about a false choice. False choices always create fear, either fear of missing out or fear of losing something or fear of being taken advantage of. Uh, and we don't need any of that. Uh, what we need is we need facts. We need data. And then we can do uh, what we talked about uh, earlier this week. And that is, can we differentiate between uncertainty and risk? Uncertainty often creates fear. And that's where our mind gets racing Assessing risk uh, is different because you can say, okay, well, this might happen, this could happen, this could happen. And then based on that, I'm going to make a personal calculation uh, and go from there. We all do it every day when we get in the car. 
if we calculate it out and say, okay, the chances of me dying in a car accident are X. If I'm going 65 miles an hour, if I'm going 70, if I'm going 80, uh, those are all calculations and risks. Uh, we can get rid of all of that if we all decide to re- drive 10 miles an hour and, and drive Hummers. Uh, we could eliminate that risk. But we, we all make those calculations. And so to me, the important thing as we go through and we process news and information is making sure we get to the, the truth, make sure we get to data, make sure we get to science, and then that we make calculated risk. That's where courage really comes into play. Really appreciate that uh, that text message coming in, and, and always want to hear what's on your mind and how you're processing what you're hearing. Sometimes you keep me straight, sometimes you call me out, and uh, but uh, we always want to hear what's on your mind and what you're hearing and what you're sensing, and most important, what you're seeing in your neighborhood, in your home, in your community, uh, because that's what connects us uh, in your community. All right, we're going to round out the program today uh, after talking with uh, Lois Collins from the Deseret News on how do we stay connected six feet away and, and what we're losing as we lose that sense of touch. And I think it's so important for us to look at all the ways that we can connect with other people. Uh, one of the most important things for me, uh, a lesson learned, I should say, uh, is about compassion. Compassion is an incredibly connecting emotion. And we often miss it in the race and chase of our daily living. A uh, number of years ago, uh, I was getting on a plane, small flight coming back from Palm Springs, uh, back here to Salt Lake City. I took my uh, traditional seat in the uh, exit row towards the back of the plane. And I was watching everybody get on the plane. And they had all been in Palm Springs for vacation and golf and parties and weddings, uh, spa treatments, all of those things. And I had been there for a whole weekend uh, on business. And I, I found myself watching all these people come in, very tanned, very rested. Uh, and I was getting a little resentful uh, because it seemed like I was the only person on the plane who had to work. <laughs> they were all just having fun. Uh, but I was pretty tired, pretty spent, and looking forward just to kind of dozing off as uh, as we were getting ready to, to take off. And right as we were getting ready to close the cabin door and taxi out, I, I noticed there was a a woman sitting in front of me, the row in front of me. And uh, this poor woman uh, was not having a good day. Uh, she was crying. She was clearly having a really hard time uh, just trying to keep it all together. And And I admit, at first... I, I tried to completely ignore her. Uh, I attempted to focus on my book and my work and just trying to escape in thought. Uh, and then I had this moment as we were taken off, as she was still just struggling to keep it together. Uh, it was one of the most overpowering feelings of compassion I've ever had. I'd never met this woman. Uh, but suddenly I could feel the heaviness of her burden. I, I sensed the sting of whatever her loss was. Uh, I could understand and feel that she was in this cloud of confusion and racing thoughts. I could hear, I could hear these silent pleadings from her for peace and for strength. And I'm just sitting there in my seat on the plane, uh, and suddenly I'm crying. And I've got tears streaming down my cheeks, and I didn't even know why. Uh, the woman got up once we got uh, above 30,000 feet, and she went back to the restroom, and I kind of turned towards the window and, and tried to pretend I was busy. Uh, but as she went by, I suddenly had this nudge 
And I, I whipped out a piece of paper and I started to write just a quick note. And my pen was just flying. And, and this is basically what I wrote. I said, hey, I know sometimes a good cry on a bad airplane can be a good thing. Uh, and other times it can be really isolating and create a lot of sadness and a lot of despair. Uh, and I continued. I, I, I wrote, if talking would help, I did tell the flight attendant I was willing to assist any passenger in the event of an emergency because I was, after all, sitting in the exit row. So I had to agree to that. And then I said, if talking isn't what you need today, then I just have a real simple prayer for you. And that is that somewhere in the quiet of today, you can recognize the greatness of your spirit and that your hopes will rise on the wings of possibility and that you'll realize above all that you're not alone. And then I just signed it, a fellow traveler. I folded the note and I, I gave it to her. She went back to her seat and we went on with the flight. And just before we landed, just before we landed, she handed me a note back. And it was a, a note of gratitude, uh, wondering how I knew what she needed. And after we landed, as we were getting ready to get off the plane, uh, we stood up and she just looked over and said, thank you. And she walked off. And as I walked through the airport that day, I, I found that I had been changed. Um, you know, two scribbled notes between two strangers at 35,000 feet uh, really provided an extraordinary experience in compassion. And there, there is a renewing power, a connecting power found in compassion. And it's that compassion that is the essence of who we are. And I think as we talk about this disconnect that we have physically from people, it's time for us to connect even more through compassion, uh, through our eyes, through the things that we say, through the things that we can do for others and around others. And we, we've had a number of years here with a lot of divisive rhetoric, a lot of dark predictions, a lot of discouraging societal trends. Uh, now we've added this pandemic to the mix, uh, and it's it's a challenge. And there is a need for people everywhere to have more compassion. Uh, we need to not just see the good in others. We just need to see others. And then we need to connect with that kind of compassion. Uh, Ogmandino said that uh, he would greet people in only one way. He said that he would look them in the eye, address them, and say, I love you. And then he said this. He said, those spoken in silence, these words will shine in my eyes, unwrinkle my brow, bring a smile to my lips, and echo in my voice, and his or her heart will be open and feel my compassion. And that's the test for us today. While we physically can't touch, while we've got a six-foot window to deal with, we can connect in a lot of other ways. I suggest you give compassion a try. And that's going to wrap it up for us on a special pre-recorded Memorial Day edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Always great to be with you. Hope you are slowing down, getting re-energized on a special Memorial Day today. And remember, we do honor best those who have gone before by living our lives with excellence today. That's going to do it for us here on KSL News Radio today. And as you go out into the world, make sure that you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and as always, do something that makes a difference.
This is your daily resource for critical breaking news, weather, and conversation about Utah's most important stories. Listen on the KSL News Radio app. Brought to you by Any Hour Services, KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. We are KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.